podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of our Opposing Force series. The first one was back in October ahead of the crucial clash at Easter Road where I had Tony Anderson on before Celtic swatted Hibs aside by three goals to one. Hopefully this second instalment has the same results. So I'm Stevie and here to preview the Hearts v Celtic game with me ahead of Wednesday is all round bad egg and jambo prick Simon Laird. Simon, hello, and uh, what is your at again? I forget. It's at bad, bad, quite good. Bit of an introduction to yourself. Now, I know you through our wonderful mutual friend, Robert Borthwick. You know, Robert was supposed to be doing this with me tonight, but he's away to some daft gig. I believe it is, how do you pronounce it? Caribou or something? Yeah, car- Caribou. I, I believe that basically every uh, pro hearts podcaster in the universe is at that gig tonight, so you've had to get down to the very bottom of the, the barrel here. Yes, I am indeed. It is the dregs of the heart's support. Um, but no, you know what, I'm delighted to have you on, despite the fact that I'm quite openly calling you scum. And you know your scum, uh, just like a lot of your fans are, Simon. However, an introduction to yourself. I've met you through Robert, and while the audience might think, you know, what am I doing associating with this guy? Simon's actually no bad. Occasionally he has bought me a beer, and for that I'm very grateful. Simon, you're a hearts fan. Celtic are coming to Tynecastle on Wednesday. How are you feeling about the game? Uh, I think... It would be remiss of me not to be absolutely bricking it for a, a game at Celtic, uh, a game against Celtic when um, it looks like Ange Ball is now sort of up and running, fully in swing. Uh, I think it could be an absolute pounding. See, that's weird, but you say that, but yet Hearts go into this game in the back of four straight wins. You're lying third in the table, uh, and we have got major injury problems, especially in midfield. So, why this feeling? Are you not? Up for it? You're not buzzing? You're not optimistic? Why are you having the whole doom and gloom? Is it because you go into the game against Rangers when you were on a decent run and you saw what happened there? Is it similar sort of feelings for yourself and the rest of the Hearts fans? Yeah, we're a hard team to pin down when it comes to, to playing the old firm. I think the the rest of the league, I think we're more than capable of holding our own and that's obviously what the the league table reflects. But um, just a record in Glasgow against either side of the old firm is... It's just terrible that you could probably count on one hand the the 37 years I've been alive that I've been in Glasgow to see Hearts get a victory. Usually it's just backs of the walls waiting for the goals to, to come flying in. Surely you're going to let yourself get carried away ahead of the game on Wednesday, get a few bevies in you and think, aye, we can do this? Uh, well, I'm doing, doing dry January, so it'll be a few uh, bottles of the devil's piss that is Bex Blue, um, but I, I don't think there's a, enough bevy to get me in a state where I think we'll do a job. I've, I've seen enough of Celtic recently uh, to still think, despite the injury problems that you've alluded to, that you've got enough to go about us. I, th- I feel like we've got a, a capitulation in us. Um, uh, not to blow smoke up Celtic's ass, but I feel like this could be you know, a game where they get four or five again. When I heard that we've got Idiguchi out, as well as the fact that we've got Callum McGregor out, uh, Tom Rogic is away. And Dyson Maeda's off as well. 
not to mention the fact that Kyogo is going to be missing for us. Like, getting into games at Tynecastle have always been difficult for us. Like, I know that typically there was a period when the Hearts came back after the, you know, you were relegated, weren't you? And when you came back, there was like the odd draw you got, you know, in the dialer season. But generally, we always seem to walk all over the top of you. Since Robbie Nielsen's um, been back as manager of Hearts, he has made games against us like quite tight again. I mean, the three games against us this season, you've already won two one at Tynecastle. It was a 3-2 game in the Cup. Granted, that could have been like 9 or, or 10 if it wasn't for Craig Gordon. And then we had the 1-0 win at the start of December. We generally controlled that, but I felt in the last like sort of 10 minutes or so, it was it was down to Carol Starfelt and his excellent defending and interceptions that actually stopped Hearts for sneaking a point, as well, of course, as our amazing linesman who we... Uh, um, who assisted Kyogo for a goal that absolutely didn't cause a meltdown at all but how do you feel Hearts have fared against Celtic this season I mean you're saying capitulation four and five and all that Simon but when I read that back to you there these have been right in every game well, yeah if you if you look at the the overall score lines it, it looks like it's tight and your two ones and your your three twos but when you dig into the stats and you you live through the games in real time like Celtic have had something like 72, 73 shots in those three games and over 70% possession. So you're right, if it wasn't for Craig Gordon just being a, a top-level goalkeeper, they, they could have been real heavy defeats those games. I didn't I didn't watch those those games and feel like, oh, you know, we should have got four or five ourselves. I felt like we did lucky to not not concede four and five with the amount of, the amount of chances that were, that were gifted to Celtic. It is, it is mental when you look at the amount of goals that were scored against the amount of shots that were on. But there was only, you know, a 2-1, a 3-2 and a 1-0. We should have been absolutely bodied. What formation are we likely to see from Hearts then on Wednesday? Because I know that recently it's, it tends to be like a 4-2-3-1 Nielsen will play. And I'll go on to John Sutton in a minute, but in the midfield are we still likely to see like Peter Herring uh, and Cammy Devlin is like the two sitting in midfield for that game. Yeah, that seems to have been like the, the preferred the preferred setup. But usually like when you're out of possession it's it's more of like a, a three four three. You've got previous with Nielsen I guess against uh, against Celtic and in these kind of games where you'll try and like compact things in the in the middle, try and make it tight and because Tynecastle is such a small pitch so you don't want to, you know, be too too light at the back because Celtic have such explosive pace on the wings to get in behind you if you play three at the back so you are probably likely to see us play a 4-5-1 or a 4-2 a 4-2-3 whatever just to try and try and make things a bit a bit scrappy in there so that guys like uh, Haran and Devlin can can get in about it and pick up the scraps and try and get the ball moving again Who are we likely to see up front? I think at home it'll be It'll have to be Boyce, just because he's so good at linking up the play and playing with his, his back to goal. Ginelli is obviously the the preferred choice at a game at somewhere like Celtic Park. It's a bigger pitch, and you can you know try and burn a defender for pace. But it will be Boyce, but he's got these sort of never-ending uh, calf complaints. So the worry is that we're going to bring him back a bit too early, and obviously we don't really have genuine cover uh, up front. So. If Boyce is fit, it will be Boyce. But I wouldn't be surprised to see see Ginelli uh, be the option that comes on maybe after the, the hour mark or the 70 minutes played to try and give Celtic a different look. Since that defeat on the 12th of December, when Hearts lost 2-0 at Tynecastle against Rangers, you've beat Dundee 1-0 at Dens Park. You triumphed 2-1 over Ross County on Boxing Day and then beat St Johnston on 
to last Tuesday it was actually. And then you won 5-0 in the Scottish Cup. In those four games, what players caught the eye for Hearts? Who's been the form player getting into this one? Barry McKay seems to have really got uh, got himself going now. Got himself uh, really like up and running, playing at a really a high level. Um, sort of the, the player that I think everybody was hoping that would arrive when we, when we signed him. Very reminiscent of what he was like when he was at Rangers and having all his success. And... Cammy Devlin as well is just it's hard not to love him because he's just such a shit um, he's like a pocket sized Scott Brown just in about everything causing mayhem and breaking up play and when you've got a guy like that sort of breaking up the play in, in the middle third it can, can play to your advantage um, when you've got somebody like Boyce who's a bit cute to hold up the ball and let people people get in behind. If you're Robbie Nielsen, I take it you're probably saying to Liam Boyce it'll be Carol Starfelt really to get in top and force a mistake out of. Well that's what happened in the the first game of the season, wasn't it? It was Starfelt just seemed to be a bit a bit all over the shop, but I don't think that's the player that he is now. I think you can see from how he's playing week in, week out that he's settled and like acclimatised to Scottish football. And um, so I think he'll be more sort of accustomed to the rough and tumble and getting pulled over the shop and the sort of the dirty work that Liam Boyce will try and put him through for ninety minutes. Um, I, I I don't know what that is about about players. Sometimes like it's just it takes one game and then the, the whole fan base can be on their back. I can sympathise with folk wanting to stick up for Starfelt because I mean there's obviously a player there, but it's hard if that's like the the first exposure your fan base has got to you as a as a defeat and you're getting ragdolled for for ninety minutes. But I think. Ginelli tried like Ginelli did him for pace quite a few times in that game as well, but I just I think Starfield's got more of a read on on uh, on the SPFL and, and the players that are there now. I don't think he'll be he'll be caught caught out as short as he was the last time. No, I think as well with Starfield settling in, we didn't have Cameron and Carter Vickers there to you know be the rock beside them. It was a lot like that that relationship to me is a lot like the way Alan Stubbs and Mark Reaper were for us uh, in the late nineties. Alan Stubbs endured a torrid start to his Celtic career, which is funny because he came out slagging stuff out, completely oblivious to the fact that he was an utter nightmare for the first maybe year and a half for us. And then Mark Reaper comes in and he just completely settled Alan Stubbs down, who went on to play the best football in his Celtic career in the season we stopped the 10. So that's the similarities I see with Cameron and Carter Vickers and Carol Starfelt now and the relationship they've got. And I'm still firmly behind the big man. I think Carol Starfelt will go on to be a decent Celtic player. Um, I've said before in the 67 Hail Hail and on here that I criticised him you know, back in August and September. I thought, I don't really know about this guy. But you can definitely see that you know when he switched on like he was last Monday against Hibs, there's a really competent defender there. Um, and I do have faith in him, especially for Wednesday. And when I saw Stephen Welsh against Alloa, I mean, people were actually <laughs> saying to me, Welsh is levels above Starfelt. That was a nonsense after we saw Connor Salmon bodying uh, Stephen Welsh not once, but a good few times, especially for the goal. Do you think it's harder for um, for a player, though, like when they join a club like Celtic, that the expectation levels are so high to instantly play at a, like a, like a peak level? So a guy like Starfelt, who's evidently needed you know, a couple of rounds of fixtures to get up to speed, do you think he would have got even more time from a, a different fan base if he joined Hearts and there's maybe not as good for you know six or eight games and the fans would maybe say it's, it's alright, give them time, but at Celtic and, and Rangers that expectation level is just enormously different. Yeah, it's always fever pitch, isn't it, for the 
first sort of time I play on his debut, kicks the ball. It's like if a, if a pass goes astray, half the fans have made up their mind right away after that. I think the staff felt as well he had a really difficult August. I mean, he came in, we had the debut uh, at the end of July against Hearts at Tynecastle. We lost 2-1. Then against AZ Altmar. I mean, he was an utter nightmare. He scored the OG, but, you know, in that first half, there was so many mistakes from him. Also, as well, the second half of the game against Hearts in the Cup game, 3 2, he had a really, really poor second half. And then the game at Ibrooks, even though looking back on it, Stephen Welsh lost his man. Starfelt was out jumped by Philip Hollander, who went on to score the winning goal. And just, you know, those four incidents, a lot of people made up their mind after then. And to be honest, I was maybe guilty of it as well, Simon, because I was heavily critical of Carol Starfelt. But Genuinely, I think since he settled in and him and CCV have played together, I see a really decent centre-half pair in there. I really hope the two of them can be big and strong for Wednesday because the first 20 minutes are going to be so crucial. So I think the first goal is going to be crucial as well. And we're talking about defenders here and everything. Let's get into this one. John Souter, where do you stand on him? Because I mean, we all know he's going to be joining Rangers. Some people reckon that it might not even be till the end of the season. Uh, Rangers might not stump up the money for him. I'm not going to get involved in that debate. But as a Hearts fan, how do you feel about the whole suitor business, about him getting booed, about him you know, not being trusted to start games and generally the whole sneaky sort of feeling that he's got among fans there? Uh, I, I love pantomime, so uh, I'm all for booing him uh, just because it's it's, it's it's a good laugh, isn't it? Um, but like, if he stays, then he stays. And if he, if he goes, then we'll get a... A few quid out of it. I just I would have probably rather that Rangers had just stumped up a bit of money and taken them now because it's a like objectively it's probably an unwelcome distraction because now he's if he does stay he's going to have a certain element of the of the support on his case like irrespective of how well he plays. And it's a shame because obviously he's he's come back on you know a real Vitruvian form and he's got himself back into contention for for Scotland and he's he's earned. You know, a bit like a big, a big money move, and you always want young Scottish players to do well, especially with the the history of injuries that Suter's had. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I feel, I feel like young Scottish players should have their eyes set on, and no disrespect to Rangers and Celtic, like, that shouldn't be like the default. Like that's like the the glass ceiling. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with like trying your arse abroad or going down south and trying like. What could went to the Premiership through a, a Championship team that are vying for for promotion? Because I just I don't know if it's if it's going to be a long term career for John Souter at Rangers. I think he's going to end up in England to some degree at some point anyway. So it's almost like a a sideways step. Yeah, it's quite interesting. You were talking about going abroad. Could you look what Aaron Hickey did from Hearts? And then there was all this talk about him joining Celtic, and you must have been thinking to yourself, "Well, here we go." But he's now stuck out at Bologna, um, and he's been absolutely incredible for them. Where do you think Aaron Hickey's going to end up? I hope he's, I hope he stays in Italy for a few years. As you see what a different culture does to, to players, and like playing in a different a different uh, a different league does to them. Um, like Ryan Gold looked absolutely pony when he came back to Scotland. Uh, with Hibbs, obviously, he had some injury complaints as well, but he went back to, to Portugal and just looked like you know the, the next Messi. And um, you've got. The boy is it Henderson that used to play for Celtic as well, still out yep. in Italy forging out a career as well. It's it's not a it's not an, a move to be to be shying away from anymore. And I don't think um, 
I don't think every move abroad for a Scottish player has to be a, a Derek Riordan to China. Um, sometimes it's it's worth taking a punt on, on the unknown, but I also appreciate the relative safety that comes from moving to Bolton or wherever it might be. So, talking about the cultures and everything, let's talk about our one. It's a small-minded, miserable, petty culture in Scottish football, but we wouldn't change it for the world, would we, Simon? Let's talk about that Tynecastle crowd. Now, on Wednesday, that crowd are going to be right on top of Celtic. I mean, for the first minute, they will be booing, there'll be all sorts being chucked. If any player, and I've seen it as well, would that stand opposite where the dugout is? Any player goes to get the ball for there? I mean, the pelters that the fans give them just adds to the intimidating atmosphere of Tynecastle, especially midweek as well, where they boozed up Jambo support. So, Simon, you're a Hearts fan. You've uh, experienced these games before plenty of times. What is the atmosphere like? Is it total poison? And why do you hate Celtic so much? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's um, it's a it's a different ball game on a, a midweek uh, at Tynecastle when, when Celtic come to town. Um, I was there for the, uh, the infamous John Wilson game, where uh, the, the boy that was decked out head to toe in Sports Direct gear made a beeline for uh, Neil Lennon, and then sort of slipped at the the final hurdle and ended up taking a header right in front of him. But um, like that whole that whole night was just terrible, and that's it's it's quite it's it's weird. Like I I love like I love uh, that like the petty nature of football and, and rivalries and all that but yeah like I think when too much booze comes into the mix like the it gives them a bit of a, a natural buoyancy to what some people really think and you can see like sort of like almost a genuine hatred for some people which is perplexing to me because it's just it's just a game of football isn't it but also it's good because it shits up opposing players sometimes and you can see You've seen it before at Tynecastle, like especially with younger players. Like some guys can like, crumble when that uh, when that atmosphere is like f- in full flow, and you're going to take a throw in or a corner. And hopefully, there's no coins or anything like that getting thrown. Maybe a pie. You know, you thought about that laning game with Jonathan Wilson. I was actually there, and it was utter utter bedlam that night. I mean, I probably that would have felt safer in like Kabul or something. That was just like a scary, scary night. But do you know what, man? That, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. It made the win sweeter. And when you do win at Tynecastle, in the midst of that type of atmosphere, it is some feeling. Another one was the one, who was who was his name? Was it Elliot? Elliot scored a goal, right? It never got allowed. We went right up the park and scored, and we won 4-0. And that was just toxic as well that night. But it was some laugh. There was a game, um, obviously I'm showing my age here, um, in the 05-06 season when it started out with, uh, it was like Romanov's first full season in Burley and we were sort of top of the league. We were playing Celtic. I remember uh, Takis Fischius got sent off for a challenge on Sean Maloney and obviously like retrospectively looking back on it, like it was never a red card. But I remember seeing veins in guys' heads next to me that I never knew like a human body like could produce like a vein that size. This guy's fucking losing the rag. And I was like, fuck, like, what are they going to like? What are they gonna do if like, something really bad happens here? Like, this guy's head might fucking pop off his shoulders like someone out of scanners. You know, if you want to win titles, if you want to be champions, you've got to go there and you've got to win. And if Celtic can come out um, on Wednesday with three points, I'll be utterly delighted because the now, when I look at the midfield problems we've got, despite how talented you know we are in the wings, with Jota and either you know, Forrest or Abada, 
as the midfield is a major concern for me, no Callum McGregor and no Idaguchi as a sole one. It's a lot of the unknown now with Matt O'Reilly coming in, but Hatati's got so much quality, and I think Neil Beaton will be a stable presence for us too. I'll get your prediction in a minute, but I do have some good news for you. John Beaton's going to be the ref, so I'm sure you'll get a penalty at some point, Simon. Big brother Beaton, I love it. Remember you went through a period of getting them and Fraser Foster kept saving them, apart from that Craig Beatty one in the semi-final. Aye, aye, you're right, you're right. No, aye, we need to, we need to get them into the lodge before the, before the game. Get a couple of sherries and we'll be good to go. Give me the one Celtic player that you think is going to cause major problems against you on Wednesday night. I think the, the, the new lad, Hatati, I think I was sort of open-jawed watching him in that Hibs game. I think uh, if he plays like that uh, against us, that range of passing, the, the vision and some of the, the balls he was pinging about, I think he could be a real a real nuisance and find those little pockets of space for, for Jota and about and those guys to run on as well. I think he's. I think you've won a watch with him. We've talked about obviously Starfield having a difficult start, um, whereas Hattati's like the, the polar opposite of that. Just came in and absolutely breezed it in his first performance. If he can churn that out on the regular, then aye, that's that's the money right there. Yep, can only agree. Hattati was exceptional against Hibs. Um, for myself, the the big changes that I'm hoping Ange makes is. I like Greg Taylor. He brings a natural balance to the team. And Ange likes him as well. But for this game, it's going to be a physical battle and there's going to be plenty of long diagonals from Hearts. I would like to see Liam Scales in there, mostly to combat the aerial threat as well from set pieces that Hearts are going to be posing to us. And also that we saw on Saturday, Liam Scales uh, is capable of an assist or two. The ball that he put in for Big Gigi for the opener was a cracker. And if he can just get you know one chance to put in one like that for the big man, and we can get a goal out of it, then great. So I'd like to see him go with scales. I'm hoping the midfield three is going to be O'Reilly, Hatati, and Beaton. One of the other things I'm maybe starting to think Ange might do is because, you know, Hatati, when he gets the ball, he releases it quickly. I think Jota's going to be on the left. I think I would go with Forrest for the experience on the right. I don't think Ange is going to knock Gigi's confidence, especially when he scored against Aloha. Abada through the middle wouldn't be a bad shout, just you know, to constantly the pace of Abada. And if Hatati can just find a ball over the top, then Abada one on one. Um, I, I trust him to put one away more than Big Gigi, but we shall see how it goes. Let's get your prediction now. What do you think it's going to be on Wednesday? Hearts v Celtic, go for it. Uh, I, th- I think it'll be poison for start to finish. Uh, I'm going to go for 3 1 to Celtic. That's an interesting one. I think we're going to score three as well. I think it'll be 3-2. I reckon there'll be lots of goals in it. I think it'll be a real classic game. <sighs> Say all this now, and then this will come back in a soundbite. It'll be like 0-0 or 1-0. Yep. And then Typical. But generally, I mean, I called I called it with the Hibs game. Said Maeda was going to start. Said they'd score. And said we win 2-0. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say it'll be 3-2. Quite a tight, tense game. It's going to be a real battle in midfield. And without Callum McGregor... We're definitely going to be, we'll feel it, but I think we'll have enough quality to get through it. And I think Hattati will step up. So my prediction is 3 2. And as long as we get three points, we can move on to the Dundee United game. Uh, we have a bit of positivity uh, ahead of the game against Rangers in the 2nd of February, which is just monumental for us. So, what about your season? How's that going to be looking, Simon? What's the aim for Hearts now? Is it Scottish Cup final for you? 
you've got to fancy getting another another run in the cups, but um, it's always good that we didn't didn't draw Celtic early doors because that can throw a spanner in the works. But if we can get ourselves to a semi final, that that would be great. I think Hearts fans can they're a, a bit of a, a a tricky lot to pin down. Sometimes some folk are like it's got it's got to be a cup final and nothing else. Other people are just happy to be back in the top flight. Um, third seems to be done and dusted. I, would, I can't see us dropping that now. So it'd be good to get back to Hamden again and hopefully not have to have to get beat by Celtic again. Thanks very much for coming on. Where can the gay pod audience find your good self? Yeah, if you want um, terrible Photoshop jobs and uh, really red hot uh, football takes, you can find me on uh, Twitter at bad bad quite good. Thanks very much, Simon and Robert Borthwick. Noted for letting Gigpod down. But this has been Gigpod episode 90. It's the second of our Opposing Force series. We'll have a third one. Just as always, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to us. It really helps a lot. I also wanted to say, remember, there's a Gigpod Instagram. Um, on the Instagram, it's just me doing the videos, giving like Gigpod summed up in 60 seconds opinions. And it's just like sort of news that's coming out about Gigpod, news about Celtic in general, sort of chat in less than a minute. Spunkphone and Rizzo will be back on Wednesday for the Hearts Review. Once more, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully we get the three points. Hopefully Rangers slip up and we'll talk to you soon. Podcast Network.